Breaker One Niner GMB Posse. Get your ears on for the Fitness Skills Podcast, where we'll teach you how to get strong by practicing skills you actually want to learn and have fun in the process. I'm Andy Fawcett. I'm not only the founder of the GMB Posse, I'm also a client. Here with me is the hero of the GMB Epic Saga, Ryan Hurst, our program director and head coach. How you doing, Ryan? Howdy, partner. How are you doing? That's the most important thing. How are you and your new addition doing? My new addition is doing Adjicious. great. Yeah, uh, that's, that's, how I, that's how I speak. I can learn them good. But, good, um, good. Yeah, so I got a new addition. I've always wondered what it would be like to have a third arm. And <laughs> now, uh, so a, a few days ago, uh, my wife uh, worked very, very hard and gave birth to our first child. And we have a beautiful daughter now named Momoko. And it's very exciting. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It is has already changed my life in uh, immeasurable ways and will continue to do so probably until I have no more life. So, yeah, that's very true. And um, so now all the three GMB founders have children. So, yeah, uh, I guess that means we're we're old. Yeah, we're getting there, but that's a good thing. We're, so we're, we should cancel that promo video we were going to make with Miley Cyrus, right? Well, I don't know. Our kids will probably enjoy it. Jarlo so. likes Miley Cyrus. Jar- yeah, there you go. So we can just keep keep doing it. So. All right, cool. All right, excellent. Yeah, so that's, that's what's been keeping me extremely busy lately. Uh, what's been keeping you busy, Ryan? What has been keeping me busy is uh, the – the showers that I have to take because it's so hot over here in Japan and that I sweat like Mike Tyson trying to read every time I work out. But, um, yeah, Osaka, Osaka heat is, is not fun. I remember it. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, no, I'm just working out, uh, still going with the P2 work, getting ready for that. We'll be filming that in a couple weeks. Very cool. Exciting stuff. Other than that, went to uh, Wakayama. Over here in Japan, took the family on another little mini vacation for the kid's birthday. Had fun diving for scallops. That was a lot of fun. Anyway, that's me. What else we got going on? Let's talk about the community. Yeah, what? well, uh, so in Alpha Posse uh, recently, so you updated a new t- tutorial for Alpha Posse members on what, so you changed the name of this like twice. It, you were calling it a lever transition and then a like lever spin. What 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 is this thing, man? Yeah, we got to come up with a name for this. It's pretty crazy. Um, it's um, you go from a double arm lever and you transition into a single arm lever. You spin your body around and you end up in another double arm lever. Um, and you're doing this on parallettes. On the parallettes, that's correct. Yeah. And you know, for the posse, we want to. Always trying to give them a little bit of a a preview. Is that right? Yo, a preview. Pre- yes, that is yeah. a correct so real that, English is that, word. Is that a real word. Yeah, preview. I think I've heard that before. So I kind of give them a preview of what's going on with everything we're doing, and so shared one of the movements that's going to be in P two. And so still got to come up with a name for it, like I said. But it's a fun movement. Looks cool, and I. I haven't seen it on the parallettes, and so I think I don't want to say it's new because I'm sure somebody out there has done it before. But we've got to come up with a name. Wow. So well, yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, there's you know, if you if you search Google for like new exercise, you'll see there's probably like five hundred thousand blog posts where some dude claims to have invented a new exercise, yeah. and you know, usually it's something that was like 
in yoga or exactly. it's a martial arts move or yeah. a gymnastics move or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, you never know. There's some interesting combinations. And sure. at the sure. very least, sometimes you'll see something that's uh, used in a different way. Yeah, and that's what's cool. And so this is, again, this is just a fun move. I think the posse is going to have a lot of fun with it. So um, we'll see what happens. We'll Very see what happens. cool. Yeah, that's exciting. Uh, another thing I'm excited about, uh, which is kind of weird, I'm a little different from most people, I guess, but I get really excited about the Paralympics. Yes, you and me both. You um, and me both. Yeah. I like better than the real Olympic. Well, the real Olympics, like it's it's, it's every bit as real as the Olympics. And I know that you didn't mean that in a bad way, but that's the thing is that people don't realize that it's every bit as real. Um, and it's not in like a pity party way, like oh these poor people uh, had difficulties. It's not that. It's it's amazing athleticism. And if you've never watched Paralympic Games, uh, you definitely should. Um, I grew up in Atlanta, and we had the Olympics in 96. I got to see a lot of the games because I was working for a company that was uh, connected with the Japan Olympic Committee at the time. And I got to see a lot of Olympic events. I got to see a lot more Paralympic events. And uh, ever since then, I've been hooked on the Paralympics. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't love watching guys in wheelchairs playing basketball beat the shit out of each other? I mean, it doesn't get It's pretty amazing. You know, no, but all joking aside, that is that's some true athleticism right there. Um, It's really amazing. Uh, I hope I get the dates right. I believe it's August 28th to September 9th, Paralympics. Unfortunately, you probably won't see a whole lot of it on TV. Yeah. It's pretty sad, uh, especially over here in Japan. They're big, big, big. Um, TV coverage of the Olympics. However, you don't see a lot of the Paralympics. That's and it's true. Unfortunate, very unfortunate. So, yeah. Well, to be honest, I did not watch very much of the Olympics uh, this time. Um, so there, there's only a couple of things that I really watched. Uh, and actually, I didn't watch any of the events live. I watched <laughs> some of the gymnastics on YouTube and some of the uh, track and field on YouTube and a little bit of judo. Uh, yeah. But uh, I didn't watch any of the weightlifting, which is weird because I know that's uh, – Jarlo probably watched all of that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think he did. Every single every yeah. single one I think he watched. So Yeah. The uh, the the biggest thing, like my, my favorite – so there's two stories that came out of the Olympics that uh, we've talked about before that I, I think were, were awesome. Uh, one, the Chinese hurdler ruptured oh, yeah. his Achilles. Uh, but, you know, he was about to give up. And yeah, everyone knows he lost a race, whatever. But you know, he's he's injured himself before, and it kept him out of events before. And he decided that he was going to go back and actually, you know, sort of not really run the course, but just hop hop down the course at least, at least make it to the finish line one way or the other. Uh, and a lot of people thought that was very inspirational. I thought it was was brilliant, and especially yeah, the great. response he got from the other runners. Uh huh. Yeah, that was really. For him to actually start to leave the stadium and then come back to finish, uh, that, yeah, hats off to him. That was some good stuff. So, yeah. What else? What else? There's something else that that came up within the Olympics. That- yes, it came up. Uh, well, he claims he didn't come up, but Henrik <laughs> Rummel or Rummel, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, uh, but. Uh, you know, he was an American uh, rower, and they won the bronze medal. And apparently, uh, it was on Gawker and a few other sites, uh, pictures of him in with his medal, uh, with what looks like 
uh, a fairly, you know, respectable boner going on. <laughs> yeah, well, this is something that Andy and Jarlow and I kind of, you know, not just us, but also Amber and Rachel, everybody, uh, were teasing about. But Jarlow brought up a good point, you know, if, if he, I think he said if he was standing up on the Olympic podium getting a medal, he'd probably have a pretty big boner too. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, I I totally agree. I think Hendrick has every right to have a boner. He's been he's been rowing uh, with wood for however long the event is, and he may as well sport some wood as well. Um, you know, you want a bronze medal, man. You know, go to Disney World, yeah, but feel free, let it out. Yeah, um, good for him. <laughs> yeah, of course. Though then then since then he's he's uh, gone to great lengths to correct everyone. And to say that that was not, in fact, erect. That, in fact, when he is erect, he is much, much larger and more impressive. <laughs> but, hey, you know, whatever. I, you know, there might have been shrinkage going on. I don't know. Very, you know, in the water. Who knows? But yeah. even though he was on top of the water. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't actually in the in water. In the water. That's yeah. right. So, Well, Maybe. you know, if you win a bronze medal, you, you definitely deserve to paddle your canoe. That's the way I think. Uh, cool. So let's get to a few questions that people have asked uh, in the past few days uh, since the last podcast and see if we can set some suckers straight. Okay. All right. So here's the first one, Ryan. Riddle me this. How can I get the body of a gymnast? Oh, it's really simple. All you got to do is push-ups and body weight uh, squats and you're good to go. That's oh. it. That's it. Really, it's yeah, that's all you need. And then just drink a lot of protein shakes. Then you're good to go. Um, no, honestly, though, there's only one answer to this. And if you want to get the body of a gymnast, then you better train like a gymnast. And so that means you better go to a gymnastics center and start training in gymnastics. That's it. Um, if you just want to look the part, yeah, you can do some other things, you know, lift some lift weights, work out with the rings, do things like that. But if you actually want the body of a gymnast, in other words, if you want to be able to move like a gymnast and perform the tricks of a gymnast, then you're going to have to train as a gymnast. Um, I think that what a lot of people might really be thinking is they see the gymnast and they see how they move, um, see that they have a low body fat with some muscle and they want to get that part they want to get that body um along those lines something quickly that i think is interesting is my wife and i were watching uh the olympics and of course watching the gymnastics and she made a comment that to me was obvious but i never really thought about it until then is that we're watching the individual um performances as far as they have one night they'll have um, the high bar, the high bar, and then they'll have, I think it was the pommel horse in the same night. However, these are the people that are, that specialize in that event. So let's say, for example, rather than performing the other five events, they only focus on one thing. So if you're watching a person that is a pommel horse specialist, they're not going to have these huge guns. They're not going to have these huge shoulders. What they are going to have is a relatively skinny body that is strong and light that allows them to travel up and down the pommel horse and execute a very beautiful routine. 
So that's one example. Another example would be a specialist on the rings. They're going to have very skinny legs, small lower body, but they're going to be huge up top. They're going to have these massive shoulders, their guns and everything. And the reason why is because they're going to be performing particular tricks on the rings that is going to tax their upper body to the point where it has to grow in order for them to support themselves to do these exercises. So really, if you look at the gymnast body, there's different kinds of gymnast bodies. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point is that a lot of times an athletic body is actually a specialist body. Exactly. It, and it comes complete with, with some strengths, with, with some very powerful features. But every time you have a specialist body, in addition to strengths, there's always going to be specific weaknesses as well. Yes. And that's yes. something that people really uh, underestimate. And looking at the Olympics, you see that in, in every sport. Um, a swimmer is going to have a really great body for swimming. A runner is going to have a very good body for running. Now, you can even break that down and say, okay, the marathon uh, runner's body, of course, is different than a sprinter. And so there's going to be that that weakness, and there's also going to be the strength according to their sport. I think, though, if you really want to have a good or take a look at a good example of an all-around athlete of course we need to look at the decathlete and um that's not to say that they have a perfect body because they're going to have strengths and weaknesses for um whatever they're doing as well um they might be stronger in one particular area of the decathlon than the other however getting back to the original question is how can i get the body of a gymnast you know, again, if you really want to be a gymnast, then you got to train as a gymnast. But if you just want the body, sure, you know, you can you can train with the rings a little bit and just try and use weights in order to create and sculpt the body. That's yeah. And so I'm going to apologize in advance because, you know, I'm probably going to get on a bit of a rant here. But, oh, uh, but do it. This is this is actually kind of the, the question, like, how can I get the body of a gymnast? I mean, there's nothing wrong with asking that and, and coveting that body. But the problem with that is it kind of it, it it's got an underlying conceit that people don't really recognize. And and that's this desire to fake something. It's yeah. actually a desire to give an appearance that is counter to what's true you know how can i get the body of a gymnast and the unspoken second clause is without actually being a gymnast right and that's great i'm glad you brought this point up keep yeah. going go yeah, with no, it's keep true going. and you know not to harp on this we talked about it last time with like six packs though right well yeah. why do people want six packs well it's because who has six pack abs athletes who has six pack abs people who are pretty healthy you know yeah. Who has six-pack abs? People are very strong and in good shape and fit. So people want six-pack abs because they want to be able to give the impression of being healthy and fit. They want to give the impression of being strong. They want people to look at them and say, oh, that guy's really in shape. But the problem is they want the image. They don't actually want to be healthy. They don't want to be strong. I mean, they might as a secondary, but when you say that you want the six-pack, what you're doing is you're saying that you want an appearance – you want just the surface. You want the appearance. Maybe, you know, if you can, if you can shortcut some of that health stuff out and just get the six-pack as soon as possible, you know, maybe that's enough for you. Sure. And I think that's a terrible, terrible way to do things because uh, a lot of people that, you know, diet down to insanely low body fat percents do so at the risk of their health, to yes. the detriment of their health. And instead, 
if you just work on being stronger, on being fitter, on all of this stuff, you may either get very close to or get a six pack or whatever, but it'll be a side effect. But this is the real underlying thing is the health, is the fitness. You know, the six pack is an indication of that, but oftentimes it's a false indication of that. I mean, it's the same thing as, you know, you, you might have known somebody in high school that had like a word of the day calendar or something, you know, some SAT word of the day calendar, and they'd try to like use some fancy word in conversation to like look like they were smart or something. And you're like, but he's not actually smart, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, like, how can I get six pack abs? It's the same thing as like trying to use like $4 words when you really don't know what they mean and you're not actually being clever. Uh, you know, so I think, you know, actually study, actually study like logic, practice critical thinking skills rather than trying to memorize the definitions of arcane words, you know, <laughs> and by the same, by the same token, you know, practice some real movement, practice some strength, practice mobility, practice real fitness rather than obsessing over the abs. So that's it. End of my rant, rant off, calming down. But that's how I feel about it. And so Uh, if you uh, want the body of a gymnast, that's cool. But how about getting the best body? How about having your body be as good as it can be? Like that. That's that's what I want to hear right there. So, you know, quit looking at other people and saying, you know, oh, I want abs like that guy. No, just work your butt off. Try and be healthy, you know, eat right, and it'll happen. It'll happen. By the way, gymnasts, you know, at that level, I'll be honest, I've known a lot of gymnasts who look incredible, can do incredible things, and their diet is shit. I mean, you know, let's have a bag of Skittles while we're waiting for our turn for whatever, you know. So just <laughs> it's it's crazy. But, yeah, going going back to what you said, yeah, be yourself. It's all about being yourself and just putting in the time and having the desire to get something. And so, yeah, move your body, move your body. That's it. That's it. Focus, focus on on tricks. If you really want the body of a gymnast, you gotta you gotta start moving like one. Um, that's about it. So yeah, and you know, and don't forget that people, different athletes, have specialist bodies. And that even though that might look good, they also have specialist weaknesses as well. Uh, So when you're coveting the strength of a particular athlete, uh, don't forget that you also have to covet their weakness. Um, You know, and I, I think it's just a far better thing to have your own goals and to train and live in a way that supports those. Word to that. Word to that. So uh, next question is, and we get this all the time, uh, and I think that this is actually something we should put together a resource on uh, because it just comes up all the time, is where to hang your damn rings. Yeah, such a great question. I mean, and it's tough. I I understand it. Um, When I was shooting or working on the Rings 2 uh, program. I just had such a hard time because at that at that time I wasn't in a gymnastics center. I was trying to hang my rings outside in a park. Yeah, and the gym the gymnastics center was actually just being built. And yeah. when you were starting filming, you were actually trying to wait for them to get the rings installed so you could film it there. Yeah, it was crazy, and so my workouts were all really uh, just all over the place. And you know, I had to deal with the rain and crazy, crazy old women in the in the park screaming at me for hanging my rings on you know a tree or something like that. But getting back, you know, where can you hang your rings? First of all, um, the most important thing 
is when you're hanging your rings is to make sure that you're hanging them from something that is going to support you and will not come crashing down on top of you. Sounds silly, but geez. Yeah, I've seen some pretty messed up setups. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, you know, hanging them off of trees I think is great if a a limb or something like that. The only concern I have with that is that anytime you hang your rings on something – like a branch or somewhere where you have to take them down each time, you're going to be causing damage to the straps. Yeah. And so you're going to be weakening the the straps. And so always be careful. I always like to use something else, um, climbing, webbing, that I hang first, and then I loop my rings through that webbing so that I can just change the webbing every once in a while. But, you know, we've had people hang their rings from field goals on football fields, uh, basketball soccer, goals even basketball goals yeah mm-hmm. uh, soccer goals um, you know squat racks um, oh good I, I, I thought you were going to start a thing about hanging rings from goals <laughs> now I'll move off of that one um, you know, hockey rack- goals would not work very well at all yeah that'd be a little tough you know plus you just slip on the ice all the yeah. time anyway, so. um but yeah squat racks will work sometimes um chin up bars uh, the only thing you know i see people sometimes hanging their rings on a pull-up frame in a or a pull-up bar on a door frame yeah to be honest that kind of scares me um i don't know why i mean i guess if you're doing chin-ups anyway well, it should be fine but yeah but yeah, I do realize it's tough. And well, here's the thing with a doorway. And so I'll actually, I actually do all of my ring work in a doorway. It's a pretty wide doorway. And so finding a chin-up bar that fit it was kind of a challenge. And I was worried that at that length that it would be kind of weak. Yeah. And so I yeah. actually had to make sure that it was reinforced. I tested it very thoroughly. And uh, when I mounted it, I made sure that I you know installed some heavy-duty steel clips into the studs. And mounted okay. it that way rather than just, you know, a couple of screws into the wood. Um, and, you know, it, so I, I satisfied myself that it was sturdy enough. Uh, but, yeah, definitely I don't trust a lot of the doorway pull-up bars, especially not one that just relies on tension and a rod. Uh, that's a very, very bad move. And the other thing, of course, is that, you know, you have very limited height clearance when you're using a setup like that. That's a good point. So and, right and now – yeah, right, right now I'm only doing like pull-ups and dips and stuff on it, so it's nothing fancy. You know, some pullovers and skin the cats and that kind of thing. But uh, if I were working heavily on muscle-ups or any kind of inverted stuff, I'd have to find somewhere else to, to train. Absolutely. And that's a good point. And I think moving on to our next you know question is training with regards to the space issues. And so this is not just with the rings, of course, but – you know, doing things on the floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, parallettes I think are really good because you really don't need a lot of space to train. But when it comes to floor work, it can be difficult. And sometimes you really just have to just figure something else out. So, for example, going back to the ring work, you know, if you don't have the space, obviously you're going to have to change things up. And so just like you were talking about, Andy, you know, you might not be able to work on handstands and things like that on the rings, but you still can work on chin-ups, dips, or whatnot. Um, same thing if if it rains. You know, what do you do? This, I know this doesn't have to do with space, space issues. Well, it's but an environmental issue. Environmental issue. And so if it rains, what are you going to do? Well, you just have to do something else. And sometimes, hate to say it, but tough shit. 
you know, that's life. And so you just got to figure something out. Um, but going back to the space issues in your training, uh, I remember when we shot the, um, the indoor version of F1 in your apartment. Yeah. Uh, that was a lot of fun. But there are things that you can do, and you can always um, practice on components within whatever flow or whatnot that you're working on in a small area. So let's say you want to work on cartwheels, but you don't have the space to do it. You know, maybe you can just work on your handstands and getting that arm lock and making sure that you have that down solid so that when you go back to your cartwheels, your cartwheels would be better because you have that arm lock down. So that's just, I think, an example of uh, what you can do when you just don't have the space to do what you want to do. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, every every kind of training, uh, you know, lends to different situations and you know, obviously we talk about this with your goals a lot, but sometimes sometimes your goals being whatever they are, you still have to make decisions about your training based on realistically uh, what you have to work with. And that could be, you know, it could be your space issues. It could be like, you know, I'm incarcerated. I only have a <laughs> six by two foot space in which to train, right? That's well. That's a good point. Yeah, you know, and that's when you focus on like handstand push ups and and pull ups and that kind of thing. But uh, you you may have uh, an area that you know you've got some floor space to work out in, and something the floor work work would be great. It doesn't necessarily take a lot. You don't need high ceilings or anything like that. Uh, and as long as you know what's around you, you can do all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Rings doesn't take a lot of space, you know, horizontally or laterally, uh, but vertically uh, for some of the advanced stuff, you're going to need more space. I mean, you can even do muscle ups uh, without a lot of space if you it's not ideal. But if you begin seated yes. on the floor and with your legs in front of you and do an L sit muscle up, uh, they can actually be done without having a lot of space Uh but, you know, ideally to get the most out of what you're trying to do, you want to have, you know, up to maybe 12 feet of clearance, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Parallettes are great because, honestly, they don't take much room at all. Uh, uh, you know, no, they're, 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 and you're grabbing them all the time. So if you're, if you're holding on to them, then obviously the, the furthest you can get away from them is like five feet unless you're like huge. Right, you know the the space from your shoulder down to your feet. That's about as as far away from the parallettes as you're going to get. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's they actually take up the, the least space, I guess. Yeah, that is that's true. And yeah, I think I mean think about it. if you have the space of a yoga mat, you could do uh, parallettes no problem at all. So. And it, and you don't even need the yoga mat. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly right. So. Yeah. The only thing would maybe be if you're going up into a handstand, you just have to be careful about a ceiling or something. But I don't know too many ceilings outside of Japan yeah. that are only five feet tall. Well, so. actually, that's funny you mentioned that because I had a really embarrassing story uh, from when I was staying at a, a friend's place over there. Actually, not really a friend, but but someone who was actually doing me a really big favor. Uh, and I woke up in the morning and was doing my usual stretching and everything and kind of pushed up into a handstand and ended up <laughs> kicking the hell out of their light fixture. <laughs> yeah, I've never done that before. I bet you haven't. <laughs> oh, man, I was so embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, getting back, I mean, work with what you've got. And um, 
sometimes you can come up with some pretty unique things, uh, something that you haven't thought about before. Uh, you know, when you're forced to actually uh, try something new, so space space issues can actually be a blessing in disguise. Yeah, because it can help you. A, yeah, it's a well known uh, tenet of uh, you know creative of being creative is that uh, a lot of inspiration comes from constraint rather than from freedom. Yeah. People, people, you know, intuitively you'd think that given the freedom to do whatever you want is when you would have the uh you would come up with the the most creative stuff but it's it's been shown pretty roundly i think that having specific rules and having certain constraints that you have to work within forces you to actually be more creative in your applications yeah it's yeah. actually a part of game theory as well the fewer rules you have the more uh the more possible games can can be played and the the more complex a game can be the fewer rules you have that's why like the japanese game you know go there's only one yeah. rule yeah <laughs> it's, yeah you know, and like kendo there's only like three Same techniques thing. yeah yeah basically yeah and so you have to work with that which is awesome so yeah good. cool so let's talk a little bit about some of the stuff that is coming up on the horizon for gmb um Obviously, we've talked about P2, and like you said, you're going to be filming that in a couple of weeks. I know yeah. you don't want to give away too much about what's happening, uh, mostly because if you give away too much about it, I'm probably never going to speak to you again. Um, <laughs> but maybe, maybe a, give give kind of like a, a little a little taste of sort of how this is a little bit different from P1, and you know how this is maybe. Maybe not. I think the thing I'm, I'm reaching for is that the, the relationship between P1 and P2 is actually going to be a little different than a relationship yeah. between, for yeah. example, Rings I, 1 and Rings 2. Yeah, and and I know where you're going with this. And so this is something actually that Jarlow and I were talking about a little while ago, and that's the fact that P1 – well, let me backtrack. The other products or programs that we have out there, generally it's best to go through the first one. For example, rings one, and then move into rings two. Now, with P2, it's a little bit different because depending on where you currently are in your own workouts and things like that and your strength, you might be able to go right into P2. It's not to say that this is very, very easy because it's not. It's just different. And how is it different? I'm not going to give you any more about what's actually in there except to say that P2 focuses mainly on not mainly but a big thing is straight arm strength and pressing skills um so whereas of course and i have to define the pressing skills in this particular way pressing up into a handstand yeah yeah. And so in P1, because I was about to say P1 was was mostly horizontal yes. pressing, either exactly. to the front or to the semi rear with with dips and whatnot. Yeah, and, and that's and that's the difference is you're going to see a lot of a lot more holds in P2 and things that focus on um, going from a straight arm hold either into a handstand or into another hold, and so. Um, yes, it would be good if you went through P1 and worked your way up to P2. However, um, P2 is different in the fact that it's 
I don't want to say accessible for everyone, but again, depending on your level, uh, your skill level, you might be able to go right into P2. And this is pretty exciting for us because um, I think a lot of people really enjoyed P1. And I think P2 is just going to be that next step where people are going to go, wow, that's flipping cool. I want to be able to do that. And like we're talking about earlier, parallel work is, you know, you do it anywhere. And so it's more, I think, accessible in that way too for a lot of people. So and hell, it's just fun. I, I don't know. I don't know why, but I really just like parallettes. I think they're a lot of fun. I've, I've always liked working with with parallettes, and uh, I mean, rings are great fun. Floor work yeah. is great fun, but for some reason, there's something about the P bars that is just it's just cool. Uh, yeah, and I think that uh, a lot of other people have that same sort of sense, which explains. Uh, to my mind at least why I think Parallettes 1 is uh, all other factors being equal slightly more popular even than Rings 1 I can see that totally um, of course Rings it is tough I mean where are you going to hang them that's a big yeah. factor yeah. but yeah yeah Parallettes they're, they're cool and I'm really having a great time working on them again um, <laughs> yeah I'm trying not to say too much about what's going on within them but be on the lookout we'll have some promo videos coming out here pretty soon very and, cool yeah good awesome stuff. so the other thing last thing i want to just mention briefly here is uh gmb coaching so we've done coaching on and off uh it, it's kind of you know only come up occasionally because well because obviously because we're busy we've been focused on making uh programs and stuff like that um but uh, we're going to be trying to have more coaching availability uh, in the near future, and also more coaching options. In the past, we've we, since we've had limited availability, we've had to really limit it to only people who uh, could work with us for three months, and we also had to make it like very expensive, just because uh, it took a lot of work. I mean, also because you know, you, Ryan, Jarlo, and I, all three are working on you know helping people. Uh, in the coaching program, and it takes a lot of energy and effort. But uh, we're we're going to be rolling out very soon um, uh, new coaching programs that are actually uh, a lot a lot more accessible and more options that are easier for for people to get into. And I'm I'm really excited about that. Yeah, this is this is pretty exciting stuff. Uh, happy that we now have different variations of our coaching. Uh, programs out there if you are interested go ahead and check it out we don't we don't usually take in a lot of people what i mean by that is we're not going to ha- you know let 100 people sign up for our coaching uh to be honest we don't have the time and we want to make sure that the people that we work with get our attention our full attention and that we can help you yeah. to become better at whatever your goal is so if yeah. you are and in- also i should just mention too that this isn't like where some guys out there i know they do coaching 100 percent by email and the the way it works is you send them 500 dollars and they send you like three emails that's not <laughs> what this is at all this is our coaching is very very much more intensive uh you know, daily contact if necessary, at the very minimum weekly, and we also have a much nicer uh, online system for sharing videos and uh, and giving feedback and all that stuff. Yeah, so, sorry to interrupt. I just really no, I felt that was important to mention, and that it is important and very you know something that really I think separates us from a lot of people out there. And 
And only if you're interested. I mean, we, yeah. we only take in the people that really want to put in the time and can do the work. And so, uh, as Andy mentioned, it's it's pretty intense. Um, you, you have to be able to send us videos, and we'll be sending videos with you. Yeah, and I, so I think, like, very quickly, it's, it's really easy to tell. Like, should should I apply for coaching or should I not apply for coaching? Like, the, the really easy way to tell is is this. If if I feel like I probably should, and but I'm not really sure, and I I really want to find out exactly precisely, like you know, what do I get out of this? Like you know, how much, how many dollars per hour is this thing, and stuff like that. If you're thinking along those lines, I really just encourage you not to, because you're in a bargain hunting frame of mind, and right. you're comparison shopping, and the thing is, coaching is not a commodity. Here's how you can tell that coaching is right for you. You have a really big goal that you're motivated to achieve. You have something that you just want to do. And you want to make sure that you can get it done and you have the support structure you need and that you you get help from someone who's been there before you. If that's the case, you should get a coach. It doesn't matter if your goal is, you know movement skills or something like that and in which case we'd be a great coach for you if your goal is you know learning how to make cakes and stuff in which case don't come to us but there are you should get a coach in somebody um but if you're if you're just thinking oh maybe i should maybe coaching is what i need it's probably not uh coaching is for people who know what they want and are going to work for it and just want to make sure that they're successful. That's what coaching is for. So that's that's how I would decide if I were the hypothetical person trying to decide about coaching. Word to that. All right. Yep. Cool. Yep. Well, since I've, as usual, talked enough for five of us, <laughs> uh, what, else, what, do you, what else do you have left, Ryan? Well, that's about it. I think uh, pretty good talk today. We covered a lot of stuff. Um, just... You know, keep working out there, everybody. Have fun. And if you do have any questions, please feel free to contact us anytime. We're always looking for more stuff to talk about on our podcast. And mm-hmm. if there's something that you would like to hear, let us know. Yeah. And also, I just want to say uh, with regards to ring hanging stuff, we are going to be trying to put together a free resource on that. So if you have questions or if you have recommendations, about how to support rings and how to set them up and everything. Uh, we'd love it if you would get in touch with us and leave us comments, send us pictures. Uh, anything like that is great. Um, yeah. So I guess that wraps us up. If you've learned anything useful or just you know, found us mildly amusing, uh, we'd really appreciate you uh, logging into iTunes, giving us a rating, leaving a review would be super, super helpful for uh, helping other people find our podcast and get acquainted with GMB. Um, If you're just listening to this on a podcast and you don't know about our website, you can find out about the GMB method and about the grandeur of Ryan and Andy and Jarlo and Amber and Rachel uh, by going to goldmetalbodies.com. And uh, thank you for listening. We're out. All right. Stay frosty. Stay frosty. (laughs) 